five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello, space enthusiasts. Welcome to another episode of the Space Business Podcast, where we investigate all the exciting ways in which people participate in the new space economy by conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, investors, and other members of the space family. My name is Raphael Rodkin, and I'm an investor in and advisor to space companies. Just as a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing should be taken as investment advice. This podcast is sponsored by Nanoavionics, a satellite bus manufacturer and mission integrator. Their satellite technologies enable many space companies worldwide to offer services that improve life here on Earth, such as providing global connectivity, conducting Earth observation for various purposes, or contributing to scientific discoveries. Check them out and also check out my episode with their CEO and co-founder. Sadly, I am not a rocket scientist, but I'm an alumnus of the International Space University, or ISU, which is also our partner in this podcast. ISU offers a number of educational programs about space worldwide, ranging from executive courses lasting a few days all the way to a one-year master's. Check them out at isunet.edu. Okay, so this is the second episode in our holiday doubleheader, and I did promise you more gift ideas. A little while ago, Michael Marksberry, the founder of an apparel startup called Oros, reached out to me. Okay, so now you're thinking, what does a clothing company have to do with space? Here's what. Oros's clothes protect you from the cold by using some of the same materials that are used to insulate some spacecraft and even Mars rovers. Let's listen to Michael tell us all about it. Hey, space enthusiasts, welcome to another episode of the Space Business Podcast. I'm really thrilled today with today's episodes. We have Michael Marksbury. He's the CEO and co-founder of Oros. And this episode is a little bit different than our previous episodes. This is actually the first time we have a company that I would characterize as a spin-off technology from space company. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? Great. Raphael, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Michael, why don't you just start off giving us sort of the short summary slash elevator pitch on on Oros. Of course. As you said, I'm Michael Marksberry, co-founder and CEO of Oros. And Oros took the same insulation that NASA used to insulate the Mars rovers and put it into apparel so you can have incredibly thin gear that keeps you very warm. Well, that sounds very exciting. And, you know, I can sort of immediately sympathize with that because I think like you as well, I'm a pretty outdoorsy guy. I've, you know, actually been to both the North Pole and the South Pole. And so it's obviously very cold at those locations. And, you know, usually when I'm at the poles, I'm, I'm walking around in these like giant goose feather down jackets. It's basically like wearing a comforter. So, you know, anything that makes it very thin, that sounds very cool. How do you guys come up with this? What's, what's the backstory there? How do you guys get in touch with NASA and got your hands on this technology? When I was at university, my sophomore year, I went backpacking across Europe and ended up climbing the tallest mountain in the Northeast Swiss Alps. It, it had a very similar experience to you in the South Pole. Like I'm on top of this mountain and I'm looking like the Michelin man. Like I have on all this bulk and all these layers. And I'm thinking... 
there's got to be a better way to cut the bulk and, and cut the layers and still stay warm. What didn't make sense to me is like, you know, there's been so much innovation in the world. We've landed a human on the moon. We've created the internet. We've done all these phenomenal things, but outerwear hasn't really changed. We're still stuffing jackets with animal byproducts, goose down the same thing we've been using to insulate ourselves for the last thousand years. And in a world where technology is evolving so quickly, I guess my question was, shouldn't outerwear as well? And so I came back to the US and in college, I was a huge science geek. I was studying to go to med school. And when you're on that path, you have to join a research lab and get publications on whatever you're working on. And so that's what I did. And I got really lucky. And through the research I was doing, I ended up getting this scholarship from NASA created by the Mercury 7 astronauts called the Astronaut Scholarship. And through the Astronaut Scholarship, I ended up learning about this NASA tech called Aerogel. And NASA said that Aerogel was the lowest thermal conductive solid in existence. Bunch of fancy words, meaning that, as you know, the best insulation in the universe. So good that NASA was using this stuff to insulate the Mars rovers and all these other applications in space. And while I'm thinking like, hold on, space is negative 455 degrees Fahrenheit. It's one of the coldest temperatures in the universe. And you're using this to keep things warm in space. Uh, How come this isn't in every single jacket in the world? It would have totally solved this problem I had on top of the mountain when I looked like the Michelin man. And so that kind of bugged me. Like, And I learned that Aerogel has been around since 1931, right? Like it's not a new material. And so there had to be a reason why this stuff wasn't being used ubiquitously. And I remember I ordered my first piece of Aerogel, opened up the packaging, flipped it up, put it in my hand. And Aerogel looks really cool, by the way. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's light blue, translucent. Uh, It's called blue smoke sometimes. It's awesome. But put it in my hand and it just shattered into a thousand little pieces. Turned out, Aerogel is incredibly brittle. Uh, So not really good for many applications here on earth. And so it became our passion project to just figure out a way to take the best insulation in the universe, this aerogel stuff, and just make it flexible and durable enough for applications here on earth. And we spent the remainder of our college careers working on this. And by our senior years of college, two years later, blew through the money from the astronaut scholarship, but ended up creating the first ever flexible, durable aerogel composite in the world. And that's what's called solar core. And that's what's in all of our gear today. That was really the genesis of Boros. Which means you can now do things like uh, extreme skiing without kind of having a material like your jacket chatter on you. I assume. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So to your point, Solicor is completely flexible and durable. It acts like just like any other insulation. Solicor has two big benefits over every other insulation in the world. You mentioned extreme skiing. Solicor number one uh, is the warmest insulation we've tested. We've tested it against over 250 insulations. I've yet to find anything warmer. And, and that's great. It's warmer than everything else out there. But the real benefit gets back to the challenge that I had on top of the mountain when I looked at the Michelin Man, the same challenge you had when you were in the South Pole. In that challenge, is bulk. Every insulation since the beginning of time has needed bulk or what the industry calls loft to work. Uh, and that's because every insulation, including Goose Down, all these insulations trap air. And the more air they trap, the more insulation they give you. The problem is that air takes volume or space. So the more air you funnel in there, the puffier and puffier your jacket gets. That's why a big puffy jacket keeps you so warm is it has all that air space or volume or loft. And if you compress it, you lose the air space, thereby losing the ability to stay warm. Point being, since the beginning of time, there's been this dependency on volume or bulk to stay warm. That's not true with solar core. Solar core under compression, no air space, maintains 97% of its thermal performance. Or said another way, uh, for the first time in history, you no longer have have to look like the Michelin man to stay warm. And that's really the big difference uh, with Solar. 
What does that mean as an extreme? Because we're talking about Michelin Man. So yeah, I've seen it at the polls, but another sort of, you know, example other people might be familiar with is that the typical guys who climb really high mountains like Mount Everest, they all look like Michelin Man. And then of course it kind of makes sense. But does that mean at an extreme, like like those guys could now be using much thinner suits for even extreme activities like that? Exactly. In those extreme conditions, you could be using way thinner pieces of outerwear. Our Ryan Parka was named by Forbes, the warmest jacket on earth. And it's been to the negative 40 degree Fahrenheit temperatures of Antarctica with nothing underneath. And it looks like a typical winter jacket. Where that gets really cool is that same philosophy of having to wear less bulk and staying as warmer, warmer, that same philosophy can be carried to someone who lives in Chicago or London. They, instead of wearing their typical big puffy winter jacket, can also wear something significantly less bulky and stay incredibly warm. Regardless of if you're that person who's summoning a mountain in the Northeast West Alps or someone who's just spending your weekend in Chicago. In both cases, that philosophy holds true. This is also something I intuitively understand because, you know, I used to work in investment banking in, in New York. And like you said, of, of course, it can get very cold in New York in the winter sometimes. And then whatever you were wearing, like you were really nice, like a money suit or something for banking. And then the cold winter days, you had one of these, again, these things which basically look like a comforter on top of your <laughs> nice suit. I guess what you're saying is that now maybe I'm, I'm able, I could put like a vest out of your material under my suit and that would take care of the cold. That's right. That's correct. We create a variety of product offerings to suit whatever the end use case is. So we have our outerwear, which includes products like the Orion Parka that I mentioned. We also have a snow sport ski focused line within the outerwear called the Endeavor series. So we have our Endeavor jacket for, for those applications. But we also, we have our performance wear line. These are things like our insulated leggings for women, our insulated quarter zip, which is named Runner's World Gear of the Year. And then also uh, to your point, as you mentioned, we have our quantum vests and products like that as well for more urban use cases. And I was on your website just before for the call and including on the on the online shopping section of course i was crushed because the thing that i really want which is you have actually one jacket which has the nasa warm logo is uh, apparently it's sold out <laughs> yeah uh, that uh, so october 1st was the beginning of our season this year uh, and marked the launch of our fall 20 collection we launched our season with the 39a flight jacket it was a collab between oros and nasa and just 400 units so super limited but the jacket had really awesome NASA branding, which is great. But the coolest thing about it is every jacket came signed by an astronaut uh, in the U.S. Astronaut Hall of Fame, an astronaut by the name of Kathy Sullivan. And Kathy is incredible. Kathy is the first American woman to go on a spacewalk. Uh, she's also the first woman to go to the deepest part of the ocean uh, and the first human to do both. Uh, so she calls herself the most vertical person in the world, which is a really awesome title to have. And Oros's mantra uh, or, or mission is find your beyond. And that's something that Kathy really lives up to well. So we were really excited to have her partner on the jacket. And what we didn't tell anybody until the jacket was released is on the back, there was an Easter egg. And the Easter egg was a quote from Neil Armstrong. And someone asked Neil, uh, hey, why would, you, why would you try to do this crazy thing? Why would you try to go to the moon? And Neil said, uh, it's in the nature of human beings to take on challenges just as it's in the nature of salmon to swim upstream. That quote resonates with us uh, on a deep level. It gets back to this idea of finding your beyond, right? Uh, and so that quote uh, is actually on the back of the jacket. It looks super cool. Anyway, we launched the jacket on October 1st, which is also NASA's birthday, by the way. NASA was founded on October 1st, 1958. So there's uh, some good juju there, but uh, launched it on October 1st and ended up selling out in less than an hour, which was super cool and um i've been getting a really positive reception from uh 
those that were lucky enough to buy it. Will there definitely be more collabs with NASA in the future? Yeah, and I, I shall be refreshing my browser until the jacket comes up for sale again, I guess. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy you brought it, uh, our conversation back to NASA because, of course, we are a space podcast, so we should be talking about NASA. And I want to take a step back to actually sort of, the, again, the beginning of all of this. So because this was originally a technology developed for NASA, like you said, or maybe it wasn't, I guess you said it was around since 1931. My question was going to be is like, um, was that some technology that you were able to just get your hands on or was like was the ip owned by nasa and you had to negotiate with them or how did that all work aerosol was created in 1931 well before nasa's existence and you know nasa was founded october 1st 1958 as i mentioned nasa was just one of the first to utilize aerogel in any sort of application they used it in the cryogenic tanks on the shuttles they used it on the mars rovers yada 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 well before there were really any commercial applications for aerogel so there was no ip that nasa held and also on the original aerogel regarding the IP, the original Aerogel IP is long since expired. It was created in 1931. Yeah. Uh, totally. So all the IP that exists on that original Aerogel now is uh, how do we make it faster? How do we make it cheaper? Yada, yada, yada. And there are a variety of suppliers uh, across the world. There's there's about five major ones uh, that are producing Aerogel that you can work with to get your hands on that original Aerogel. Getting access to that original Aerogel was, was pretty easy that makes sense and how was this sort of like then sort of the, the current cooperation you have with nasa how how did that go how was nasa immediately receptive to this how is the you know, how is working with nasa been with regard to what i guess you're cooperating at least on the, the 39a jacket right where you're using the nasa one logo so we've worked with with two groups there one uh, is nasa you have to get approval to brand anything with nasa and so we had to go through that process the other thing about the nasa jacket is oro started with this scholarship from the astronaut scholarship foundation and uh, it was really important to us to give back to that group as well and so we gave 10 of sale of the 39a flight jacket uh, to the astronaut scholarship foundation and And worked with them to get Kathy on board and, and all these other things. So whether it was NASA or the Astronaut Scholarship Foundation, uh, working with both groups has been phenomenal. And so getting that collaboration with Kathy and then I, uh, getting the rights to use the Neil Armstrong crowd, that was all pretty, pretty straightforward and people were on board right away. Yeah. You know, what makes Oros different than a lot of other consumer brands is there's true heritage in NASA and space exploration. It's truly the foundation of our company and our origin story. And so we found that whether it was uh, getting a license on the Neil Armstrong quote or working with Kathy or NASA or the Astronaut Scholarship Foundation, all of these agencies and groups were really excited to not just partner with Oros, but in the form and the manifestation of a physical product, celebrate all that's been done in space exploration in NASA's career. How important or how much do you, beyond just having the um, the 39a jacket how much do you play the space um, angle in in marketing to your customers and sort of like um, you know presenting the philosophy of your company and how important do you think it is for your customers quite a bit uh you can go on our site today uh and you'll see right on the home page uh on tile two it is a mention that we've taken this antiquated industry and brought it into the space age using space age tech this idea of you know the advantages that uh, the space age has and, and, and space exploration has and and bringing those benefits uh into consumer products is a central thesis to not just our marketing but who we are and so it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty big piece for sure Really asking because you know one thing that I'm, I'm very involved in is sort of uh, what I call general outreach and 
an education about space and you know all of the exciting things which are going on in space but you know one of the the things we as a space community still struggle with is that um the, the space community tends to still be a very defined group of like i always joke it's like the same 1000 2000 people you see at every space conference and we're really trying to get many more people outside that hardcore excited about space and actually recently we ran you know a, a couple of workshops um, in the space community to see like well can how can we get more people involved and and also like the younger generation and everything and people who are not you know space engineers or uh, you know aero astro engineers um sure who just find space exciting for those um, you know exploration aspects that you mentioned and there was a you know some really interesting ideas came out of that you know one was basically gaming which i think makes a lot of sense you may know things like uh, kerbal space program mm-hmm. um, so the games make sense but then another suggestion which repeatedly came up was sort of like urban wear and like uh, clothing, you know, and um, bringing space closer to a broader audience via, via, via clothing. And so it's kind of fascinating that you guys would kind of fit right into that that aspect. Um, so it's one, that's why I'm asking, like, you know, how much you've been um, playing that angle in marketing, whether there's any sort of future plans as well to to use that space angle more in your marketing to, to customers. You know, the interesting thing is... Anytime we mention NASA utilized installation or space tech, uh, any of those words that relate to what it is that we're doing uh, within our ads, uh, our click-through rate on our ads improves by at least 20 to 25%. There is a, I believe, a general interest and intrigue in the space and space exploration community. And, and I think that's something that's also been revitalized, especially among, to your point, uh, the younger community in the last 10 years with this reinvigoration of, of space exploration, whether you can credit SpaceX for that or, or, or NASA or Blue Origin, who knows? But um, we definitively see the data every year across our ads and what's performing and what's not. And the data, the data doesn't lie. As for what's coming in the future, when Ruth and I started the company, we had a very simple goal. We wanted to create a long sleeve shirt that you could wear in sub-freezing temperatures and still stay warm. So not just thinner or warmer outerwear like we make today, but getting rid of the necessity of outerwear entirely, where all you would need is this long sleeve shirt to stay warm. And to do that, we had a fundamental problem. We needed to make a fiber that could power this long sleeve shirt. We needed to make the warmest fiber in the world. I can't go into too much detail at this time, but we're roughly 12 months away from releasing that fiber in that long sleeve shirt to the world. And in the process, we've been working very closely uh, with NASA, especially in our R&D partners, on bringing that bringing that long sleeve shirt to market. And we're incredibly, incredibly excited. So <laughs> I guess said another way, there's definitely some really cool things coming in terms of uh, partnerships with NASA and, and space exploration in the future. And the partnership with NASA, of course, is very cool. But you did mention these companies like you know SpaceX, which obviously have gotten a lot of people excited about space and continue to get more people excited about space. And because the, the interesting thing is um, SpaceX and actually Blue Origin as well, they both have online shops where you can buy like basically uh, apparel, you know, with SpaceX. I mean, I have a Occupy Mars t-shirt lying around somewhere here. I think you even have to... Ah, me too. I think you have the <laughs> new Mars sure. t-shirt as well. Huh? <laughs> but anyway, have, have you guys... I mean, is that also something that you guys are planning? I mean, you, I guess you could cooperate with those companies as well, right? Totally. Uh, doing a collab with uh, with some of those companies would be would be absolutely awesome and something that, that we would love to do. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful, beautiful idea uh, and something that I think would generate a lot of hype and awareness uh, to your point. Have you guys done some, you know, analysis of your customer 
database, sort of like who your customers are, how you would characterize them? 100%. Our customer is who we call the modern urbanite. Uh, they're living in an urban environment, but like to spend their weekends outside. If you if you take a, a map of geographic distribution of our consumer across the U.S., and the U.S. makes up historically 70% of our purchases annually, the number one city, the number one location on a volume basis is New York. The number one on a per capita basis, though, is Chicago. Our volume number one is New York, number two, Chicago. Uh, and then it goes Boston, then it goes West Coast. But the um, point is, it's a consumer that's living in the city that spends their weekend outside doing a variety of different activities. Uh, our target consumer is generally uh, late 20s to mid 30s and, and very active on the weekends. Uh, what we found, though, is while that is our largest consumer base to date, we also have the secondary consumer base that is uh, incredibly large. And they're who we call the warmth seeker. The warmth seeker just like the modern urbanite lives in this urban environment in the same cities. They're in New York, they're in Chicago, they're in Boston, they're on the West Coast. The difference is instead of spending their weekends outside doing a variety of different activities, they just want to stay warm where they walk their dog on a cold Chicago winter day. That's fundamentally one of the big differences. And they also tend to skew a little bit older, more the, the mid 40s, the mid 50s range. But those are our two largest consumer bases at Oros. I feel like most of Canada should be wearing their products too. <laughs> Totally. Uh, our largest markets outside of the U.S., n- number one is Japan, which has been growing very rapidly this year. Uh, we're excited to continue to grow it uh, in 2021. Number two is, to your point, Canada. And then three is Germany. Uh, the top two technical apparel markets outside of the U.S. are Germany and Japan. But uh, there's a, a big need for warm outerwear uh, in Canada. Uh, so that's why uh, those three markets make up uh, two, three, and four on our list uh, behind uh the U.S. in terms of uh, historical sales. It's funny you mentioned walking dogs. I immediately thought that might even be a market for like, you know, having like a little like, uh, you know, dog sweater that people in Chicago put on their dogs <laughs> when it gets really cold. Uh, you would be surprised at the amount of uh, customer service inputs we get from customers making that request. Uh, it is definitely not the first time we've heard it. Uh, it definitely could make it for an interesting product for sure. Have you guys managed to uh, get this into the hands of some, you know, like famous customers? Um, I, I was thinking about like the extreme the- uh, skiers, right? The Candice Thorax of the world. Uh, I don't know, mountain climbers, free climbers, anybody like that? Totally. We have a great batch of influencers that uh, either have organically or not organically got a hold of our products. Um, and with the 39A flight jacket, there's some really awesome influencers that I'm I'm really excited about uh, that got their hands on the product. I'm not allowed to say who they are yet for sure um we've been very fortunate on the influencer side both from just an athlete perspective in the outdoor community as well as those that are a little bit more um in pop culture let me just uh switch gears slightly and and also talk you know because um to some extent this is also a podcast about entrepreneurship right and sort of meant to inspire people how they start up companies when you guys first came up with this idea sort of like how has your journey been how has it been to um get support for this also for example on the fundraising side as i mentioned by our senior year of college we had solar core we were out of money at this point rith and i and we didn't know if anyone if anyone would want to buy it so we ended up uh, prototyping our first ever uh jacket with solar core uh, right as we were graduating college and It was an ugly jacket designed by two kids in a college dorm room that knew nothing about apparel, but it worked, right? It was our minimum viable product. It truly was an incredibly warm jacket. Are you familiar with Kickstarter? Sure. Perfect. 
uh, we launched it on Kickstarter right as we were graduating with the goal of 100 grand. For Ruth and me, this was our deciding factor between Oros and med school. I hit the 100 grand, tried the whole Oros thing, plan B uh, of med school. Launched the campaign and in the first 36 hours hit 125 grand. More money than wow. two kids from the Midwest have ever seen before in our lives, right? And closed the campaign at 300 something. And that was the start of Oros in 2015. It's been uh, a little over five years and so much has happened. Uh, we raised uh, over $10 million of venture capital from some really awesome uh, VC partners who we're honored to work with, uh, partnered with the Department of Defense uh, on a variety of initiatives, uh, built up a phenomenal team, moved to Portland, Oregon. Uh, Portland's a technical apparel capital of the world. It's uh, uh, North American headquarters of Adidas, headquarters of Nike, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and, and built up an amazing product team and the business has been uh, doubling every single year since inception, which makes investors happy and all those things. This $10 million uh, you raised, was that primarily for expanding uh, production or, or marketing or how was that money used? Uh, it was a split between uh, R&D on our, on our next gen tech, uh, this long sleeve shirt that we're talking okay. about that comes out in 12 months and then, and then also uh, uh, marketing and team expansion. Those were the two main initiatives. How big is the team now? Uh, we are 14 today. New manufacturing in the US? All of our outerwear is made in Vietnam and then all of our performance wear, like our quarter zips and leggings, et cetera, is made in El Salvador. I assume the company basically now that you have these outside investors and you have a few years and you obviously have revenues is relatively stable sort of what is your beyond the the launch of the long sleeve t-shirt which obviously sounds like that's going to be a you know, bellwether event what's your sort of medium long-term vision for the company we want every single person um that lives in a in, that fits our description of modern urbanite to not have a need for a winter jacket we want them to be able to wear the long sleeve shirt that keeps them warm sub freezing and that's all they need and that's that's our long-term vision it's funny the other thing when you mentioned new york and and, and chicago and i've i've lived in new york twice and you know, i've been to chicago so many times i mean um, as, as people who know in these cities um would be very acutely aware of there's obviously also in the winter there's so many homeless people around and you feel so sorry for them in those temperatures I guess it could be like some sort of big philanthropic thing as well at some point in time to just donate a bunch of your clothes to the to the homeless population. Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting idea. There are some brands that do a really phenomenal job with that, like Bombas is one with their socks, you buy one, get one. And so I think that there is a really interesting opportunity for some philanthropic effort there. But that's a really, really good point, Raphael. And um, where can where can people actually buy your clothes at the moment? I mean, I saw the online shop, but is, is it also in, in regular shops or what's what are the distribution channels? Uh, Oros is a digitally native brand, uh, and an overwhelming majority of our sales are online, uh, which means that the best place to find us is at www.orosapparel.com. Where, where I will be regularly uh, going back to see whether that 39A NASA jacket is going to become available <laughs> again. <laughs> please, please don't tell me that this is like limited edition and it's like not coming back. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're exploring a restock, uh, so it, it may be coming in the next uh, next couple months, for sure. Okay, fantastic. And um, I mean, speaking of products, I guess the, the other question I have to ask is, uh, I'm obviously a space investor, I'm deeply involved in the space community, and as everybody else in the space sector, I'm currently getting excited about you know this moment in history when we are preparing to go back to the moon, and this time, if all goes well, to stay, and not just to plant the flag and you know leave again, and, and ultimately, obviously, to, to go on to Mars as well, and hopefully settle in all of these places and these places especially at night are um very cold and um so is, is there any sort of like long-term plan 
planning that you could collaborate with NASA on on actual like in space work as well? That would be a dream of Oros, uh, the product team, uh, especially. Uh, we would be absolutely honored and excited to do that. Uh, and I think there's, you know, incredible application there. There was a, a great scientific publication that came out not too long ago on the ability to use aerogel to terraform Mars, make it make it a, a habitable planet. Long story short, uh, within the aerospace community, whether it is apparel that allows you to thrive on foreign bodies like the moon or terraforming planets like Mars, I think there's a variety of areas of opportunity that that we can uh, that we can be helpful. That would be very exciting. And I mean, I mean, pretty much every other place we can go to in the universe is just going to be so cold. I mean, people are throwing around uh, sometimes as well um, Titan, one of the, the moons of Saturn as a future human colony. I mean, that will take time, right? But that's another place that's sort of like in the, uh, you know, minus 200 degree uh, centigrade temperature range. You certainly will need, you know, some special um, clothing there. Let me ask you a couple of questions that we always ask towards the end of these um, these interviews. One is if, if you weren't doing auras, is there any other business opportunity that excites you particularly? That's a great question. Um, I am personally very interested as i mentioned i'm a tech geek i'm a science geek i think there's some really incredible opportunities with crispr crispr is one of those technologies that 10 years ago would have been viewed as science fiction now that we're starting to understand what crispr can allow us to do as far as gene editing is related it is pretty phenomenal and there's a a wealth of opportunity there one of the the areas that i'm really interested in is the the opportunity to use uh, crispr to create cures for some of the biggest genetic diseases in the world um, i think there's going to be some really interesting developments there in the next decade yeah I, i'd agree i mean for those of our listeners who, who may not know crispr is, is basically a, a gene editing technology it's an acronym and i won't i won't spell it out because it's it's way too long but i agree that's that's usually exciting and then the other question we always finish up on is basically um whether you like science fiction and what kind of science fiction whether it's book a movie or tv series but for you given your business i will actually split it into two questions i mean one is going to be our usual question is like you know what kind of science fiction and specific examples do you like if you like science fiction but then if possible i'd also like you to comment on the sort of clothing used in science fiction whether there's something you particularly like or not like you know like star trek uniforms things like that Ooh, that's a great question growing up i was a huge and still am a huge star wars fan and so i have a lot of comments and thoughts there and it can go deep on that the other more recently i guess in my teenage years and in college years i i started falling in love with the marvel cinematic universe uh and especially avengers and uh my favorite character unsurprisingly is iron man and tony stark and so i think if there's one and i don't know you can call his suit apparel uh I, I guess in a way it is right, but if there's if there's one thing I would love to be able to to wear, own, create, uh, it would definitely be a, a Iron Man suit. Yeah, I hear that. I guess that's that's from the sort of I assume that's from the functional perspective, but that's very cool. <laughs> Statically speaking, what is any anything you particularly like? Like for for me, for example, I think the some of the Star Trek uniforms are very very good looking, and if you guys want to make Star Trek uniforms out of aerogel, I might I might very well consider that. <laughs> Duly noted. Uh, I'll bring it up with the product team and. Uh... <laughs> and the design team and see what they think i'm sure they'll uh, they'll love the idea okay cool michael well thank you thank you so much uh, we're looking forward to your next product releases um the long sleeve shirt that's going to be very exciting and 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 again i keep repeating myself but i'm really looking forward for the 980 jacket to come back um, to be available again <laughs>
Perfect. Raphael, thank you so much. Well, that's it for another nominal episode of the Space Business Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider giving it a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform, such as iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore space. Also consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash space business podcast. If the podcast got you interested in learning more about the business opportunities in the space economy, check out my new online course on space entrepreneurship on udemy.com. The link is in the episode description. Lastly, if you have any feedback, including ideas for guests, and that may include yourself if you have an exciting space story to tell or interested in being a sponsor, drop us an email at spacebusinesspodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to seeing you for the next episode.